Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Introducing the s Podcast channel, your one-stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. And now, the Beauty Production presents... The most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 45. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we're getting closer and closer to episode 50. I'm pretty excited for that part. Yeah, man, I know a lot of people fear becoming 50 years old. And I know it's not quite the same, but, you know, some some back pain in the process. But I feel good about turning 50. It'll, it'll be a good time. Uh, this episode, you know, it's a lot of fun because, obviously, baseball is almost on the way. We covered a lot of the MLB in podcast episodes 42 and 40, uh, 43 and 44, even 42 with a lot of the free agent market. So we've been talking a lot of baseball as the season's about to begin. But college basketball, we are in March. We are in the best part of March Madness. We both have our brackets for tonight's podcast episode. I mean, I've always loved being in college, watching the games on my phone during class. Wasn't always the greatest student. I think you always saw that when you were sitting next to me. <laughs> but how much are you looking forward to March Madness? I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's one it's one of those things where everybody gets excited about it, no matter who you are. Um, you know, for instance, like my parents don't fill out a bracket, obviously, because you know they're not exactly the most tech savvy people to get on the computer and to do it. But you know, even my mom has admitted, oh, I like when the tournament starts because then you start seeing, you know, you see them play with more passion or you see them play with some kind of importance, and and really that's what it's all about. And and that's what I was trying to get at when the whole Zion conversation was happening about should he stop playing, should he just go straight and get prepared for the NBA, is that if Zion would have stopped playing, he misses the atmosphere that is March Madness. And, you know, no matter how you feel, we can all agree that March Madness is a kind of spectacle where these kids are playing at their best. It's so fun to watch. Yes, shame on the ticket prices and how much money this tournament actually makes. But from an athlete standpoint, you see what these kids really have. You see, you know, we've seen kids get drafted just solely based off of their you know their tournament performance and especially when it's a tournament when like this where it's one and done you really see kids go out there and give it all they got and, and that's really what makes me happy at the end of the day is just watching good competitive basketball because they know it's only one shot um in this tournament one mistake can, can, is all it takes to really kick you out and no lead is safe it always seems when it comes to march madness you you can be up 10 points with just five Six minutes left to go in game. The game is nowhere near over. The the game has just begun at that point. So I 
always excited when you get to the March Madness time. I, what stood out to me right from the early part of the rankings, though, Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, and Gonzaga all represent the number one seeds. Three of those teams, outside of Gonzaga, are all from the ACC. I mean, this is a little bit surprising to see three teams from the same division. Uh, Jose, did you think the committee got it right by putting all three ACT teams in as the number one seeds? You know, I think they did. I think at the end of the day, you know, you can base it off of who won their conferences, but the ACC to me really is the best division there is in college basketball. I mean, you know, look at the three seeds that they have. Duke, Virginia, you know, UNC. And then when you go even further, a lot of the two and the three seeds are also from the ACC as well, too. So honestly, it's the best division. It's where the talent is. I get it that, you know, you want to spread the wealth and, and winning your ch- winning your conference should mean something. All for that. I feel like back in the day, I used to be one of those people that are very stubborn saying, well, you earn a number one seed by winning your conference. But if we're talking about the best teams in college basketball, the you know, that's the best conference there is, flat out. I'm going to take a little bit of the opposite. I was surprised, especially after Michigan State won against Michigan for the third time this season. Michigan and Michigan State both are two seeds. Uh, Tennessee, although you know they have struggled a little bit at the end, they still knocked off Kentucky again. Kentucky and Tennessee are both two seeds. Virginia, on the other hand, they lost early to Florida State. UConn loses to Duke. Okay, they, they've had the back and forth, but obviously UConn and Duke's matchup, there was no Zion Williamson in two of the three games that UConn has won. I think that also played a factor in helping Duke not only winning the ACC, but on why they were a number one seed. I, I do think a little bit too much credit was given on Gonzaga's part and Virginia's because they just got knocked out too early, even though they held number one seeds at some point in the season. So did Tennessee. And Michigan State certainly has the players, but they haven't stayed healthy. Uh, yes, I certainly would have made more of a case for Tennessee and Michigan State. I, I don't agree with seeing three from the same conference, just just because there's too many teams at the end of the day, and a lot of them are beating each other that are so high-ranked. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to your bracket. I know you've got a couple great upsets in there. So do I. But I want to break down a few different points on this, uh, starting with the top three seed teams. Which one, when you look at all the top teams, is the most overrated in your mind? You know, when when I look, it's it's kind of hard sometimes to say, you know, who is um, you know, who's overrated and who's not. But if I do have to pick one, because a lot of these teams, you know, they do deserve um, the credit they have to them. Uh, you know, I could say, you know, Kentucky. I feel like Kentucky's had a lot of bad losses this year. They haven't been as dominant as a team as they used to be. And they came in as a number two seed um, in the Midwest region uh, behind UNC. Uh, Again, this might be one of those things where they kind of got where they are because they're the school that they are and the program that they have. Um, But honestly, if if I'm being honest, I feel like Kentucky, to me, uh, is one of the more overrated uh, one through three seeds. And a close second also, to me, is Purdue. Yeah, I'm... 
I'm a little bit, although I just was praising Michigan State, I don't really love Michigan State's matchups that they have in the future. Uh, th- there's a lot of injuries still. They do have a tough, they're in a very tough conference. Uh, so I'm a little bit concerned about Michigan State, uh, especially their health. And Michigan State has some, I think this is really the real reason they got knocked off from a number one seed. They have some ugly losses to some bad teams. So that's that's a concerning factor for me when going into this. But I'm also concerned about LSU. Also in the same conference as Michigan State, you know, the day of the announcing of the seeding, the coach is suspended. So there's just issues on that part. I, I think LSU is a phenomenal team. They were finishing ranking in the top 10. But, you know, when you're already going into March Madness, your coach is suspended at this point. It creates a few more obstacles in your way. And I am concerned if LSU can get past those environments when it comes to the tournament. On the opposite side, though, from the fours to like, we'll say nine or ten, what team are you really liking heading into the tournament? Well, you know, I do like Syracuse, even though I don't have them making it far. Um, Syracuse, to me, is a very, very interesting option. Um, you know, they're one of the very few teams that I feel like rattled Duke and Zion's return to the ACC tournament. Um, but they're a team that plays really, really good defense. I think a lot of other teams, mainly the zone defense, and I feel like not a lot of college teams play the zone defense. And I, I do feel like, even though I don't have them making it past Gonzaga, uh, spoiler alert, I feel like they're going to be a tough matchup for anybody. So, you know, to me, between Syracuse and Baylor in the first round is going to be a really, really close game. But the fact that Syracuse, you know, is really good on defense. And honestly, Syracuse is one of those teams that's always very sneaky. You know, the year that Malik Richardson was there and he was shooting threes like crazy, did we really expect them to make it that far that year? No, because Syracuse is also one of those teams where they always get picked in the, in the 8 to 12 range, and then they go on this deep run that no one sees coming because they forget how good this team is and how good of a coach Jim Beheim is. Um, but this is a team that's really good. Buddy Beheim is a good three point shooter. He's really found his groove um, since coming back from injury. And, you know, one of their best players was hurt the entire ACC tournament. If they can get him back at any point in the tournament, if they're still around, that's going to be a huge plus for them. I'm going to take. A little bit higher of a seed, and I'm going to go a four seed. Florida State, they finished ranking wise, you know, tenth, nine through eleventh round. There, they've got some real quality wins, beating Virginia Tech. But not only that, beating Virginia in the tournament. When you're knocking off a number one seed just a week before the tournament, that's got to be huge momentum for Florida State. Going against Duke in the finals for the ACC tourney, I'm taking an easy pick on mine, but I really have Florida State going up high. I think they're a a fan favorite choice, and and this is one that you can't really not take because they've just shown you right before the tournament they're catching a little bit of good fire on their side. It almost reminds me, if you have to go far back, but Kemba Walker, when he was playing for UConn, just the way UConn made their run to get to the tournament and then going all the way, that sort of reminds me of Florida State. They're not that as offensive, especially with a star like Kemba Water that UConn had, but 
they certainly show all that possibility of just catching fire and momentum at the right time and heading to the tournament as a four seed. They could be quietly extremely dangerous. And last year, Virginia, as we just mentioned, they got knocked off as a number one seed by Loyola College. We all now know who Sister Jean is because of Loyola College. Uh, obviously, I don't think you know a 16 is knocking off a one, but out of those 10 to 16, and especially those 12 to 16s, what team is really that bracket buster in your mind or that underrated team that you could see really making a possibility of a deep threat between 12 and 16 anywhere in that range double digits oh man you know you know you know me i love the 12 to 16 range um but i think a team that i always go with and i don't really know if they win honestly a lot but i'm gonna go with them again is yale at 14 you know they're drawing lsu at um as a third seed um yeah i mean go yale you know i mean i feel like every year i always pick them but honestly i think there's a lot of good teams um that are just ranked in the, you know, in the 12 to 13 range uh, or the 12 to 16 range. You know, uh, it's been, you know, for a lot of years now, for the past couple of years, at least one 12 seed has always moved on into the next round. Um, so, I mean, that tells you a lot. And those are those are the real difficult um, the ranges there because anywhere between 5 and 12 is really just, you know, teams, even though someone's a 5 seed and even though someone's a 12 seed, you know, there may not be that big of a difference between these teams, right? You know, there's a clear difference between someone who's a one seed and someone who's a 12 seed. But as you start dwindling down, you get to those five, six, seven, you know, these teams are a lot closer than people think. So don't let the number fool you. So I think Yale at 14th is a good one. Keep your eye on that one. And I also have, bear with me here. I have uh, New Mexico State over Auburn in the uh, Midwest region. Um, I think they're going to move on to pass Auburn. Uh, Jose given an early one. <laughs> uh, that's a big matchup right there. I I really like Auburn, uh, but New Mexico State has been playing phenomenal this season. Uh, you know, two teams I'm kind of really looking at is Murray State. You know, Morant really reminds me he's going to go up very early in the draft. And when it comes to March Madness and when it comes to the tournament. I always try and find a player that reminds me of a superstar, that reminds me of a top 10 pick, and can take control of a game. Because when it's very close, you need that extra star type player, that go-to player that you need to get that basket from. Morant is exactly that for Murray State. He's a sophomore. I think he's going top 10 in the draft. It's very rare to see when sophomores are going that high at times but he has been so impressive this season 24.6 points compared to his freshman year when he was averaging just 12.7 this was a great move by him not declaring for the NBA draft his freshman year he just didn't put up great numbers but this year it's been a total change of pace for him and when you have that type of player especially when they're getting the first round of Marquette who has struggled lately I'm really liking Murray State to get past the first round. I question whether how far they can go because they could run into Florida State the very next round. But also on my interesting uh, spots is 13, UC Irving. This team has blown out teams consistently. Uh, I don't think they've had 
really great competition this season. Obviously, the tournament's going to be their ultimate moment. But drawing against Kansas State, a four seed, not the worst drawing. Kansas State's had some injury possibilities going into the tournament. They had the same problems when they were going to play TCU. They fell behind very early. They were able to come back in that game. But against UC Irving, you know, this is a team that can just pour it on offensively. You fall behind early against them. It doesn't matter if it's a 13 or a 4. They're just going to continue. So I really like UC to put on a deep run as a 13. They're really my uh, team to look out for. As much as I love defense, when it comes to the tournament, you need to score. You can get defense just by the adrenaline going on in the game. And with that, we got to start because we got a lot of teams to cover already. Uh, So I want to start with the South. Uh, Obviously, we're going to try and do this a little bit quick when it comes to some of the top seeds. Uh, But we'll, we'll start easy with this. You know, do you have either number one, number twos, or three seeds in Purdue, Tennessee, or Virginia getting knocked out uh, when it comes to the South? Starting in, with the South region? Yeah, in the round of 64. Do you see any one of the top three teams going out at the moment? I do not. I do have Virginia, Tennessee, and Purdue all moving on um, to the round of 32. All right, perfect. So with that, we're going to avoid those three teams when we debate on that because it's just... You know, obviously the top three, we're going to try and avoid that a little bit more when it comes to the round of 64. If they pull the upset like Loyola College, or if there's a team that Jose I have that's in that range that will could knock off a top three seed. We'll talk about that more. But instead, we're going to jump into the eight versus nine, which is Old Miss versus Oklahoma. And Jose, this is the first game on our board. Take you through, which is your team you have going to the round of 32? In just this game, or do you want me to go down straight from there? You can continue going. All right. Well, between the 8 and 9 seed, I have Oklahoma moving on to the next round. Yes, I I really find the 8 and 9 matchups so, you know, it's so hard to choose because, you know, these teams, again, they're a lot closer than you think when it comes to the seeding and a number next to their name. Um, So it's really hard to choose from sometimes. A lot of these times I end up going by a flip of coin. So no shame if that's what you have to do. So I'm going Oklahoma over the number eight seed, and then we have number five, Wisconsin, going against number 12, Oregon. I'm rolling with the Oregon Ducks over Wisconsin. Upset special. I like my 12 seeds, so I'm picking them to move on. In another shocking one, I have number four, Kansas State, against number 13, UCI. I am picking number 13 to move on to the round of 32. Yes, setting up a 12 versus 13 matchup in the round of 32. Again, you know me, Nick. I like to go big. Uh, for Villanova against the number 11 SMC, I'm going Villanova on to the next round. To me, Villanova is one of the most underrated teams in the tournament. Um, you know, they're ranked at number six, so they didn't really fall into the category of, you know, the lower seeds. Can they really make a run for it? But to me, Villanova is such a good team. They're the best team in the Big East, in my opinion. Uh, and again, they're a very underrated team because of how good some of these other conferences are. Um, per, uh, like we said, I have Purdue moving on. Cincinnati against Iowa. This is another tough one, in my opinion. I was leaning towards Iowa, but my gut is telling me Cincinnati. So I'm picking Cincinnati to move on. And, of course, as we said, no change with Tennessee. I pictured them moving on to the next round easily. So I want to catch up to you now. Uh, Obviously, 1, 2, and 3, Virginia, Tennessee, and Purdue I also have. Uh, But starting at 8 to 9, 
I'm going to go the opposite with you to begin with. So only one of us can already have a perfect bracket to start off. But I do have Old Miss. They are the favorite in this game. Uh, you look at it, like you said, it is a coin toss. They're one game difference in the overall record, their conference record. The advantage goes to Old Miss in this one. Uh, the records against you know top 50 teams, both of them are under 500. It doesn't really support much for Old Miss in this game, but what I look on this is points per game. You know, Old Miss has it on a higher mark than Oklahoma at 75 points, and Old Miss has played some pretty competitive games. I've also liked them on some spread pits of my own, so I'm going a little favoritism on just who's covered a little bit more for me consistently. Uh, so I have Old Miss moving on to face Virginia. Like you, though. I am not high on Wisconsin. Wisconsin just, it always seems like they just, they are not getting past competition that they should be beating. They are not as underdogs covering spread, uh, getting anywhere close to covering spreads. But even as favorites, when you expect them to just, against poorer teams, they're not getting the job done. Oregon, they made a deep run in the tournament. I like when teams can do that. It puts a little bit more confidence in in for me. Oregon was able to do that. I also have Oregon moving past Wisconsin. And I just mentioned to UC Irving. This is, again, a highly underrated team. Against the conference, 15-1. and one. They were straight-up dominant again. The problem with Irving, they don't really verse a lot of top 50 teams. They're 1-2. and two. It is my risk game, but when you look at who they're playing... Kansas State, a highly defensive team, only allows less than fit, uh, 60 points a game, but only scores 65. UC Irving is scoring over 70-plus points per game. They're only allowing 63, so for a team that scores as much as they are doing, they're putting in great defense, a 30-5 and five team. They've been winning all season. This will be their ultimate challenge, obviously, when they're in the tournament, but this is going to be one of the best teams they've faced all year long. I expect UC to get the upset and I also have your 12 and 13 facing off as well another one where we differ though is I'm going St. Mary's St. Mary's was able to knock off Gonzaga I'm going to give St. Mary's the edge on that factor alone Uh, Villanova just has not played well this season and then Purdue I also have to go Cincinnati some of my family members have gone to the University of Cincinnati, so I am taking their suggestions, which is pit Cincinnati to win in the round of 64, pick them to lose in the round of 32. It's what they do every single year. I'll stick by what they say. you got to take family some time on that one. So I have ten, uh, Tennessee beating Cincinnati. But before we get that, you know, we are, we've got a couple upsets in there, especially the 12s to 13. I also have a, an 11, so I got a lot of upsets in this uh, conference. Was the South the most open one in your mind as far as possibilities to really get to the Final Four? You know, there really was. It really was, in my opinion. I just feel like there's a lot of matchups that were either very tough to pick or, you know, I just didn't feel confident in choosing the higher seed in this one. I know a lot of people like to go and just go straight down and choose the higher number. But, you know, a team like Oregon, who comes in at number 12, they played really well this year. You know, they have a lot of good players. And before Bull Bull went down with an injury, you know, this was a top team in, in NCAA. Yes, that injury for Bull is going to hurt them. But overall, I feel like that's still a really good team. And, you know, they draw number five at Wisconsin, who's also a tough team. But, 
you know, like the fact that we have, I have a 12 and a 13, and the fact that you also have a 12, you know, you have a couple of the lower seeds getting in too. I think that goes to show you that a lot of the matchups are, aren't very favorable for the higher seeds. So to me, it's one way of saying that the South is wide open, but I also feel like the South might have been one of the tougher ones because of how many of the lower seeds we think can actually move on. Yeah, it, it became almost like it's a lot easier to make a case for X, Y, and Z in the South than it is to make it in possibly the West. So it certainly looks like it's going to be a very interesting uh, conference right there. But we got to continue on with the round of 16. So take us to it. Give us our next round going further. You have Virginia and Oklahoma. So start from there. So for Virginia versus Oklahoma, this is almost automatic. I still like Virginia's chances. Um, I'm a little bit worried about Virginia this year, especially after their upset last year. It's in a number 16 seed. But I think that's actually going to motivate them to push forward. I have Virginia getting past Oklahoma and advancing into the Sweet 16. After that, you have number 12, Oregon, and number 13, UCI. Um, you know, again, when you have it, it's, not, it's very rare that you have a 12 and 13 going against each other in a round of 32. I'm really high on Oregon. I think they're a really good team. I think they're ranked a little bit lower than they should. So I have Oregon moving on into the Sweet 16 as well. Villanova against Purdue. Again, Purdue is one of my more overrated teams to be ranked one through three. And I think, again, Villanova is a very underrated team. So I have Villanova over Purdue advancing into the Sweet 16. <clears throat> then I have Cincinnati and Tennessee. You and I are both very high on the Tennessee Volunteers. So I am choosing Tennessee over Cincinnati, giving the Sweet 16, just to recap, uh, for the South at least, I have Virginia and Oregon and Villanova and Tennessee moving into the Sweet 16. Interesting how Villanova is just continuously getting through for you, and I have them getting knocked out early. So one of us is going to be picking up a lot of points <laughs> in their bracket. Uh, for me, I think Old Miss I, is only able to get past Oklahoma. Like you, Virginia, I think, is just going to come out much different this year after embarrassing themselves last year. I was a bit concerned when they got knocked out by Florida State, but I think that's more of credit to Florida State than Virginia on more of a downfall as we just begin this tournament. I think Virginia has a great chance to make a continuous run and getting through to the round of 16. Like you, we have the 12 and 13, but I am going UCI. This is just a team where I think you know, they are a very strong offensive team. I've just watched them blowing out teams time and time again. And you know, I'm going to give credit to them. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm going to have them go pretty deep in this tournament. Uh, St. Mary's versus Purdue. This is where I think St. Mary's run end. You know, I really like Purdue. Junior player. That's their star guy on their team in Waters. And... I think he's got the potential to be a mid-first round pick. I, short guy, but the way he plays is just pure skill for college basketball. When you have a guy that's your go-to shooter, that's always an edge. I think Purdue is able to make a decent far run in this tournament and give a lot of the tougher teams a real you know, shot at, to go further than that because you have a stud player like Waters. Uh I've already covered the Cincy reason. Uh, I, I'm like you. I'm extremely high on Tennessee. I think Tennessee was underrated to begin with by giving them a two seed. This was a team that was number one in the country for a very long time, ahead of Gonzaga, ahead of Duke, 
and, and knocking off Kentucky multiple times. There's no reason why I think Tennessee is going to slow down as we get into the tournament, which leaves me with Virginia versus UCI and Purdue versus Tennessee. I'm going to go with the two higher seeds, Virginia. I think this is where UCI's time ends when they verse truly a top, top over-ranked team. And then Purdue versus Tennessee. Purdue has struggled when it comes to these big-game matchups. They don't really have a lot of great wins against the high-ranked teams. They've done very well in their conference, but overall when they played games against Michigan, Michigan State, it was real worrisome. I think the same thing happens to them against Tennessee, which leaves me with Virginia versus Tennessee in the Elite Eight. And Jose, get us to your Elite Eight. Well, for my Elite Eight, I do have um, Virginia toppling over Oregon. Um, even though I'm very high on Oregon, and I think they'll make a deep run up at least at least into the Sweet 16, I think it ends there once they start facing one of these more high-powered offenses like Virginia. Again, having an injury to Bowl Bowl earlier in the year put them in this spot, and I think you will see it finally against these teams, the upper you know upper tier teams, is when they'll start to actually you know um, look like the 12th seed that they were ranked. Um, I think Virginia gets by Oregon easily. And then Villanova, also their Cinderella story ends here as well, too, as I have Tennessee um, toppling over Villanova, meaning number one and two for the South, Virginia and Tennessee will both be moving on to the Elite Eight for me. So we both got the same two teams at the Elite Eight point. What's like one of your standout reasons on who you're going to go with in this game, or what's something you're looking for? For in terms of... Virginia and Tennessee. You want me to pick the? You want me to reveal who I have winning that as well? Yes. So Virginia and Tennessee. So to me, you know, I just feel like Tennessee has been on one of those, you know, incredible roles. Um, they're not a team that a lot of people knew of coming into the tournament. Um, I feel like they've been playing, you know, great all year round. Uh, Virginia is one of those teams where. You know, they have to get hot at the right time. And if they're not, it's going to be very hard for them to win ball games. And we've seen that in the ACC tournament. Um, so I just think Tennessee is hot at the right time. Uh, I think they've been a, a great story all year long. And, and you know, their team doesn't really have that go-to guy, so to speak. I think all these guys really play as good as one. Um, so I just think Tennessee is more of a complete team than Virginia is right now. Yeah, I'm in the same factor with you with Tennessee. You know, when you're one of the top 10 teams in points scored. Not only that, though, top 10 in field goal percentage, top 10 in block shots, top 10 in assists. You, it sets up the perfect scenario on why there's so many reasons for you to make a deep run, why you've been so great this season. And it's going to be a very good defensive game between Tennessee and Virginia. And in moments like that, I think the edge goes to Tennessee. I'm more concerned if Tennessee is playing an offensive powerhouse team than a defensive powerhouse like Virginia. Tennessee's just as good defensively. They're able to go toe-to-toe with anybody in that range. They'll have the same issues when they first Cincinnati, who's a top 10, top 5 defense uh, all for the last like five years uh, Cincinnati's been. So I think that's going to be a good opening mark for them when it comes to playing on Virginia. But Tennessee stores over 80 points a game. They allow in the mid-60s per game. 
Virginia just it's not a great offensive team. I think the edge goes to Tennessee for all those types of reasons, being just such a great scoring team, yet being able to produce tops sits in blots per dam. It just always helps you out when you're not turning the ball over like the Tennessee top 20 in assists. So with that, we both have the same team in our final four with Tennessee. So let's jump into the next one. And I want to do a, a, a much tougher one. And I think that's the Midwest. And Jose, when you look at the Midwest, did you see this team as like the toughest overall in the standings? Or is there one that stood out to you? I'm sorry, which one was that again, Nick? The Midwest. Yes, but what, uh, what were you referring to? It, does this look like it's almost like the most array of talent as far as the teams go? You know, it really is because I feel like you have a lot of teams in there like UNC, you have Kentucky, um, you know, the Can- you know Kansas is in here as well too. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams in here. You know, Seton Hall, who's also from the Big East, who's an underrated team in my eyes. You know, th- there's a lot of teams in here that I feel like they can make a deep run. They may not necessarily win the entire tournament, but again, because of their matchups and because of how many talented players are on these teams, I think you can really see them. Um, you know, you could see a lot of uh, of upsets within this round. Yeah, Iowa State is an underrated sit seed. Wolford, first time they ever was nationally ranked as a seven seed. They're a tough matchup uh, if Kentucky is to go against them. Auburn as a five. Uh, even like, you know, Utah State and New Mexico, very strong teams to begin with. Obviously, um, there's no disrespect to UNC and Kentucky. Houston was a top 10, top 15 team all season long. I'm very much interested in the Midwest. I think this is going to be very close games consistently. There's a lot of great teams in this uh, group. And it's um, overall, though, it's tough to pull out a lot more upsets like we were in the South for me. But take it through. Who do you have going and get to the round of 32 from the to the Midwest. Well, I do have UNC over Iona. Um, again, UNC again one of the top schools, so that that's a no-brainer to me. Um, I have number nine Washington beating number eight uh, USU. Um, to me, Washington's another good team, and again, those eight to nine matchups are always very tough um, because they'll carry over. Uh, I have number twelve New Mexico State University over Auburn. Like I said, that's one of my number twelve seeds that I have over uh, number five Auburn. You gotta love those number twelve seeds. Uh, Kansas should be able to take care of um, number thirteen NE really, you know, pretty easily. Uh, I'm very high on Kansas. I'm surprised they're ranked so low. I know they weren't as good as they always are this year, but to me, Kansas is always a dangerous team um, come tournament time. I have Oklahoma State University over ISU. At the number 11 spot, um, I do have number three, Houston, going over number to 14 seed. Uh, Seton Hall, to me, is going to upset the number seven seed. Uh, I'm very high on Seton Hall. I'm very high on the Big East teams. You can call me biased all you want, but I feel like they're just a very underrated group of teams that play really good basketball. So, um, you know, I love Seton Hall in this spot as well. And even though Kansas, uh, I'm sorry, even though Kentucky is very overrated to me, um, I still have them over number 15 ACU. Uh, I think Kentucky should at least be able to get through a good portion of the tournament, even though I do think they're a little bit overrated. So this is one where I actually gave it surprisingly, and I know it's going to be terrible, but I gave it a clean slate. Uh, UNC beating the eight, uh, 16 Iona, 
a few family members have gone to Iona, but there's nothing I'm going to give Iona credit for. Uh, you know, the Addies against the Huskies, this is two teams that have practically the same records. Uh, you know, one of the things that I look at, one in seven versus top 50 teams were the Huskies. Uh, Addies are basically on that cusp of the top 25. Just by that, it's really tough to choose Washington to beat in Utah State. Utah State's been so good this season. I am giving them the edge, and the eighth seed moves on. Auburn has played significantly well, and they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They are going to shoot threes all game long. They're never going to be out of any of the basketball games they're playing in. Unfortunately, though, they're living and dying by the three. Because if you have a bad game at the three, New Mexico can easily beat them. I think it's an easy case, uh, like you have Auburn losing. I'm banking on the fact that they're going to hit the threes. It's going to advance them, and they have the possibility of making a deep run if they catch fire, because just not many teams are able to put as many threes up as they can. Like you, Kansas, you know, I get it. They've had a terrible year. They finished the year awful, couldn't close out games at times, constantly in close games. But the fact is they're a four seed versus Northeastern, and I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm just going to give it to Kansas. I don't know how far Kansas can do. I, I don't really believe in Kansas long term, but at least in a round of 64, I'm not eliminating Kansas anytime soon. Uh, Iowa State, I have beating Ohio State. Uh, Iowa State, we saw constantly putting a lot of pressure on Kansas. They play extremely great defensive basketball. They're just ranked in the top 25. And again, one of the things that stand out to Iowa State, 7-3 and three versus top 50 teams compared to Iowa, um, Iowa State, which is 2-10. and 10. Give me the better record every single time when it comes to these games. I'll take the sits over the 11. Houston's been so great. They, they've been a safe pit to bet on, even when covering spreads constantly. I'll take Houston easily over Georgia. I think it's yeah, Georgia State Panthers. And lastly, I'm always going to give it to Wolford just because of the story they've had. You know they're they're finally ranked in the top twenty five. They go eighteen and zero in their conference. They they've been on fire all season long. Twenty nine and four. They've done everything right. They get a tough matchup with Seton Hall. There's no doubt about that. But they at least have been playing great basketball that they should get it done against Seton Hall. And lastly, obviously I'm going to take Kentucky, but that does mean I have the one to eight all advancing. So you know I'm screwed in this one. Jose, again, like, this is one where I think there's a lot of, like, really strong teams when it comes to these top ones. I know you have Auburn out on your list, and I think you had uh, Iowa State out as well, and uh, Wolford. So you have a few more upsets than me. I'm going with a little bit more consistency. But getting us to the round of 16, which I know you had Kentucky as a big question mark for you. Do you have Kentucky going further? First of all, you should not say that mine is not consistent. Mine's pretty consistent, okay? It just it's consistently Underdogs. upsetting for, <laughs> upsetting for a lot of the uh, the bigger name teams. But for Kentucky, I do actually have them moving past Seton Hall. As much as I would like to see Seton Hall um, get past Kentucky, 
you still got to give it to the better team in this scenario. And I think Kentucky still is that better team. They're one of the top schools in the country. So I have Kentucky advancing to the round of 16. I also have Houston taking care of Oklahoma State University. So in this round, I do have, although I had a lot of upsets, I do have a lot of the bigger teams. Um, I, I do have a lot of the bigger teams advancing into the next round because I do think that this, this is really the round where you know the better teams start to really pull together and use their force and show why they were some of the top schools in the country. So Houston over Oklahoma State University. I have number uh, number four, Kansas, over number 12, New Mexico State University. Again, this is when the powerhouses start to shine. And then I have UNC over number nine, Washington, to fill out the rest of the 16. So UNC, Kansas, Houston, and Kentucky all make it into the Sweet 16 for me. I'm kind of on the same page as you. I, I'm not really as high on Kansas. Again, like we had a few ones in the South where you had Villanova going higher. I have I had Villanova being out in the first round. We have the same kind of uh, thing with Auburn. You have them out in the first. I have them going to the Sweet 16 to face UNC. I, as much as I like the Aggies, I don't think UNC is going to be at all threatened by the Aggies. They're just a, UNC is just a much better team. They've played much better opponents this season. And when you're playing in the ACC, I'm, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the ACC team just because of the resume of the team and what they've had to go up against. So I'm going UNC versus Auburn. I think that's going to be a great matchup when it gets to that one because it's just great shooting teams. It's the opposite of what you would expect in a Duke and UNC game, especially the way Duke is made. Iowa State versus uh, versus Houston. I think this is going to be a very good defensive game. Iowa State is just one of those teams you don't want to run into in the tournament. But Houston's just been so good this season. I love how they have played against Cincinnati, a very good defensive team. I think that really helps Houston out. And taking Houston further, it's just going to be tough to see Houston losing to teams that it's just under because Houston was one of the best teams in the country for a while. They're, they finished 31-3. and three. It's They have just beat up on teams worse than them all season long. I expect them to do the same. They are a better team than Iowa State, and they are a very good defensive team. And Kentucky versus Wolford, you know, this is a tough matchup for Kentucky. I, I don't think they wanted to face a team like Wolford, but, you know, John Calipari shouldn't have any issues against a team that's first time ever being ranked. I, so, at the end of the day, you always give it to the better resume, you always give it to the better team, and that's Kentucky in this one, which leaves me at UNC versus Auburn and Houston versus Kentucky going into the Sweet 16. From there, you know, I, I don't think, again, Auburn has the potential to beat a UNC-type team. It's just one thing has to be for them. They have to hit their threes. They have to be on fire the entire night shooting. And there's only so much you can bet on it on Auburn because you're just not sure what consistency you're going to get from them. I'm always I'm going to take UNC as the safer bet. I love how they have played against top teams in the country. 11 and 5 record when versing the top 50 team is North Carolina. They have been phenomenal. 
And Auburn, although they have a great offense at 79 points, nearly 80 points a game, the Tar Heels are averaging 86 points a game, and that's just, they can match the scoring easily of Auburn. And then Houston versus Kentucky, I really am looking forward to this being a possible matchup. I've wanted to see these two teams play. Both pretty much the same amount of points per game. Both pretty much allowing low in 60 points. They're two of the top 10, 11 teams in the country. Same type of conference record, a game-settling difference between the two. And they both have versed plenty of equal teams of a top 50. What I look, though, is I look for, you know, obviously John Calipari, and I think this is what I separated. Do coaches play a factor in it? Yes, they have experience. Just ask Tom Izzo how many times when everyone has doubted Michigan State and Michigan State has just made a deep run in the tournament before. I think Cal Perry didn't want to be a two seed. I think that gives that like underdog type experience for Houston to go out there and be more aggressive. Uh, sorry, for Kentucky to be out there more aggressive. I think they get over Houston on that one which gives me my second one-versus-two seed of UNC versus Kentucky. And, Jose, who do you have getting to the final, the Elite Eight in this Midwest? For the Midwest, again, I have Kentucky against Kansas. And it's surprising. I know you're not very high in Kentucky here, but I have Kentucky winning over UNC. I think, you know, uh, UNC is always one of those teams where they may never have the top pick in the draft, um, but they always have a good team. I know they're they're really surging right now uh, uh, behind Colby White. Um, but I don't know. I have a good feeling about Kansas right now. Again, they're always a dangerous team um, come playoff time. So I'm going to go a little bit of an upset special here and go Kansas over uh, Kansas over UNC. And then also, this is where I finally have Kentucky falling out of the mix because to me they're just a giant question mark. I'm going to go with number three Houston over uh, over Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky again. I feel like Houston. Is a pretty underrated team, even though they're a three seed. They're one of the top teams in the country, in my opinion. So I have a three and a four seed actually advancing into the Elite Eight. A three and the four seed. So Houston versus Kansas. So you have Kansas upsetting UNC and Houston upsetting Kentucky. That's right, man. Upset city. Oh, wow. So we have. We are definitely having a different team in our final four in this one because my two teams are UNC versus Kentucky and you have Houston and Kansas. Um, so I want to know what yours uh, are even on Kansas this season. Like you're trusting them. Uh, is it what what stood out to you with Kansas a little bit? Uh, the veteran presence or just a team that just you know underrated but can get through the trenches? You know, I, I, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. I think they're an underrated team, uh, but you know, like I said, you know, like you said before, like coaching definitely matters, resume definitely matters, and this is a team that's been there, done that before. Um, you know, they they always seem to have holdovers, and a lot like UNC, they're one of those teams where they may not have the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, you know, every single year, like someone like Duke does or Kentucky, but this is a team that plays really good team basketball, and they have a lot of guys who are holdovers year in and year out. And you know what? You know, a lot of teams have one-and-done players, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
But what's good about a school that's not necessarily always one and done is that you have students that have been in a tournament the year before. And that is a really rare thing in college basketball to have kids that were there last year, to know how it feels, to know what it, you know, what it takes to get things done. And I feel like Kansas does have a good amount of those players on their team. So with that, does Kansas get the edge over Houston or do you have Houston getting to the Final Four? So even though I gassed up Kansas, <laughs> I do have Houston taking them down in the uh, in the sweet and um, in the Elite Eight, and I have Houston advancing into the Final Four. Like I said, this is one of the more sneaky teams that are the top teams in the country. I like how they play. I like their style. Um, you know, to me, they you know they have 16 and two conference rank. Uh, you know, they're averaging about 75 points per game. Um, and their opponents are only averaging 61 against them. So they're blowing teams out of the water. Um, so to me, I just think Houston's the better team. Even though I like Kansas in this situation, I think you have to give it to the better team uh, when it comes to the matchup between these two. And for me, again, I, I've got the one versus the two. Uh, this entire one, I've just been going with a lot of the higher seeds. I think the only one where I didn't go the higher seed was Auburn beating Kansas, but I'm going Kentucky in this one. I'm, I'm very much high on Kentucky on just the fact that they have played some very tough teams. I looked at UNC, and I do question a little bit on, you know, yes, they have wins over Duke, but Zion Williamson wasn't playing in those games, and yeah, they beat Wolford, but that was the first game of the season. You look at it further on, they've lost to Kentucky. They've lost to Michigan. They've ha- they've had their struggling moments this season uh, versus top teams like Virginia. So I do question at times more North Carolina than I do Kentucky. And in Kentucky, at the end of the day, you know, certain stats do stand out to me. And when we look at it, breaking down Kentucky, one of the big things again, top ten in blots. I look at. On top of that even more, rebounding and field goal percentage, they're 28th in field goal percentage in the country, they're 35th in rebounding, and you've got to get the second chance points. You've got to get the offensive rebounds, but you've got to prevent the offensive rebounds by getting the defensive, dominating the paint, dominating the glass. Kentucky does that great. P.J. Washington is going to be one of those top five pits in the draft. He has performed phenomenal in the second half this season. It's a big reason why Kentucky has gone from like that mid-round ranking to all of a sudden being a top five. It was because of P.J. Washington. Obviously, he's not Zion or RJ, but I think he's right up there in the top five of the draft. He's going to get selected and hear his name early when he declares. Uh, Kentucky, I have going over North Carolina. So right now, I have two number two seeds in the tournament of the final four. And with that, we'll go to the West, which is Gonzaga as the number one seed in the tournament. And my, my favorite matchup in the round of 64 is in this tournament is in this one. And that's Nevada and Florida, the seven versus 10 Florida has played phenomenal games this season beating LSU, staying very close in games with LSU, and very close in a lot of games with a lot of top teams. Nevada 
we saw was one of the top five, ten teams in the country and have just fallen off just midway through. The Twins have just not been able to get it done for Nevada. I, I'm very much concerned about them, but uh, this to me is my favorite game of the round of 64. And this one's my first question for you, Jose. Who do you have going past in this one? Between Nevada? Nevada and the Florida Gators. Oh, uh, yes. I actually, I do have Florida moving on to the next round. Again, you got to show some love for the lower seeds. Uh, I don't know. You, you know me. I always like to go against the, uh, the grain here. Um, but I do like Florida in this one. Um, you know, this is a team that's, you know, uh, they, they keep it close. You know, they're opposing, their opponents are averaging 63 points against Florida. They're only scoring 68. They were only nine and nine in their conference. And, you know, Nevada does average 80 points a game, which is a lot more than what Florida is used to giving up. Uh, but honestly, in, in this scenario, I do like Florida. Um, you know, this is a, again, this is just a team that, you know, it's, it's a really, really good defensive team. And I, I just feel like Nevada's under a lot of pressure too right now where, you know, they're ranked number seven seed. You know, they're trying to prove themselves. And I feel like for a lot of the middle of the pack teams like Nevada, sometimes you can fall into a lull when you're going against teams like Florida who are ranked 10, 11, 12, because on paper you're supposed to beat these teams. But to do it in the actual game, uh, is a whole different story. Now, I don't know if we had. Is there uh, obviously Nevada, Florida for me was just mine. I've I've been watching the Twins for a couple of years now. The seniors uh, for Nevada, but in, in the Martin Twin. But is there a game that you're most excited for in the round of sixty four? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, there's two actually, the Syracuse Baylor one to me is really interesting um, because Baylor, you know, they are a really good team, but as I mentioned, you know, Syracuse is very stingy on defense, but I also like the first round matchup of Marquette and Murray. Um, and that's really because of, you know, the, the two guys here who are, are going to be definitely first round picks, um, you know, between Marcus Howard and, and Jay Morant. Um, to me, I think that's one of the most exciting matchups because of who's in that matchup. And we literally have two people going at it um, who are going to probably be in the first round of the draft. Yeah, definitely. If Moran doesn't go in the top 10, I'm going to be pretty surprised on that one. So I, I know there's a few guys that already stand out in the top five, but Moran has just showed up way too much for me to not believe that a team's going to take him with the top 10 pick. Uh, with that, though, let's... Go straight to us. Get us to the round of 32. I know you had Florida as one of the teams, but continue on. Who do you face between Michigan and Montana? And go forth from there. Well, starting at the top of the bracket, I have Gonzaga moving on to the next round. That should be a no-brainer. Um, I mentioned Syracuse over Baylor. Um, I like their defense a lot. Buddy Beheim, you know, Jim Beheim's a great coach. Uh, I have Marquette over Murray, unlike I know you like Murray in that scenario. Um, but I do like Marquette just a little bit better. Um, I think that's going to be a really exciting matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a bracket, if that's a, a matchup that I'm wrong about, because um, it really could go either way. I have uh, FSU over uh, UVM. Uh, to me, FSU, you know, they had a very strong showing in the ACC tournament, so I wouldn't be surprised if they move on to the next round. Uh, I have Buffalo uh, moving on to the round of 32 as well as well as Texas Tech. 
I, I think they're going to be a very underrated team in this tournament, even though they are ranked number three. Um, I don't think a lot of people are getting them the respect that they deserve. Uh, as we mentioned, I said Florida over Nevada, and I have number two, Michigan, um, moving on to the next round as well. So for me, Gonzaga is an easy one to take. I, I'm not having any number one seed spoiler uh, getting eliminated in the first round. You really can't predict that kind of stuff. And anybody who does, credit to you. And maybe the, the, anybody that does is the one uh, the under like what point zero one percent that still has a chance for a perfect bracket. I, how many people successfully picked Loyola College beating Virginia? the overall number one consensus team in the entire country. So it wasn't just the number one seed. It was the number one of the entire 68. So it's, it's so unpredictable on that part to believe that, you know, there's more than one person that's just like, what the hell with this one? Uh, It's, it's impossible to try and do that successfully. But, Gonzaga, yeah, easily they've just beaten the hell out of every team that's just not ranked. They haven't had the toughest schedules, but that won't stop them from beating up a 16 seed. Like you, I have Syracuse beating Baylor. Uh, you know, as much as I look at Syracuse and it's like, oh, it's an eight versus nine, but Syracuse, you look at the teams they've had to play: Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. They're they're constantly going against very tough teams. I. Uh, and it's not something where I'm like, oh, this team's a real eight seed. No, this team might be better than that, but they just have so many good teams in the ACC. They just have so many good teams that they have faced this season that I think it's part of the reason they've gotten knocked down a bit. You know, nor uh, NC State is a great example. They got knocked out and weren't part of the bracket. They had one of the hard. They were in the ACC. They had one of the toughest. Uh, divisions, but outside of that, they had the easiest and d- schedule outside of the ACC, and that's why they didn't get in. Out of the 353 division uh, teams in college basketball, they had the 353rd hardest schedule. That was it. That was all it needed to be on why NC State didn't get in. Uh, so. Syracuse, I really like going against Baylor in this matchup. Uh, Marquette versus Murray State. You mentioned it as one of your team uh, matchups that you really love. I really love Murray State in this one uh, to advance over Marquette. Uh, that's my bid 12 seed upset. I don't know how far they're going to be able to go because they will have to face FSU. And this is one of my favorite teams in the entire bracket. Uh, I think they're the best four seed at the end of the day. They are, I think, underranked when you consider that they were able to get to Duke in the ACC tournament finals. They finish off the season as a top 10 team, and they're only ranked 10th best team in the country. I think that's a little bit of a sleeper almost at a four that they could make a deep run. Uh, Buffalo versus one of the two possibilities of, I'm hoping it will be St. John's, but at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to Buffalo. Buffalo just does one thing consistent. They verse non-ranked teams, and they beat them up. 
They're basically a weaker version, a much weaker version of Dinzada, but that's what they really remind me of. A ranked team doesn't ha- face a lot of hard teams in conference games, but just is that gets credit. At the end of the day, Buffalo will surpass and the sit seed will move on. Uh, Texas Tech versus North Kentucky. Look, I like North Kentucky. I think they have a guy that easily could be, if he declared for the draft this year, in that second round. Uh, Leads North Kentucky in both points and rebounds. Is really the only guy on the entire team. I'm trying to see if I can get the uh, load, but it's just one of those. North Kentucky was actually a safe betting game for me just because all you need sometimes is one player, but one player is not enough against Texas Tech. I think the three seed easily gets by. Nevada versus Florida. My most interested game of the round of 64. Uh, and I have to give it to Florida. Look, I love Nevada. And if this was earlier in the season, I would easily be going Nevada. But the fact of the matter is, Florida has beaten LSU a couple times. Florida has played in really tough games. And Nevada just has not got it done. And it just reminds me of just past Nevada moments of just not being able to get it done in the tournament. They were getting eliminated early on in the division. And I think it's a huge cause of concern for me when it comes to Nevada. I don't have them getting past around the 64, which is extremely unfortunate for the Martin twins, uh, the seniors, but, and, and I hope that they can get past Florida, but I do have Florida, the 10 seed moving on. And lastly, it's Michigan. Uh, this is an easy choice. I think Michigan, even as a two seed is underranked, uh, their only real struggle has been against Michigan state this season. Other than that, Michigan has been one of the best teams in the country. Uh, so, look at Michigan to make a deep run. Uh, get, how, looking at the round of 16 now, again, Gonzaga versus Syracuse. At, at what point is there a little bit of co- uh, for concern with you for Gonzaga? Do you think they have the ability to run through this tournament? Because they certainly have a couple tough matchups. They do, but I think Gonzaga is a really, really good team. Um, you know, despite them not, you know, not winning a conference. Um, I mean, to me, Gonzaga is just one of the top teams. They've been all year round, and even though they have a lot of the tough matchups, I feel like they're the one confident number one seed, other than, uh, of course, Duke, that I could slide through the entire bracket. Uh, most trustworthy, other than Duke. Yeah, to me, out of the four number one seeds, Gonzaga and Duke are probably the only two number one seeds I trust holding up into the final four. Oh, the other two didn't even win the division. <laughs> they did not. No. All right, so with that, Gonzaga versus Syracuse. Will Jose give a little bit more home love to New York with Syracuse, or is he going Gonzaga in this matchup? Unfortunately, I'm going to go Gonzaga in the matchup. As ah. much as I would love to choose Syracuse. <laughs> As much as I and you know I want to, I know I have a you, lot of friends you, that went there. It's a school I wish I would have went to, but gotta go with Gonzaga there on that one. Um, and then between Marquette and FSU, I feel like that's gonna be a great matchup if Marquette does advance and if Florida State does advance. That's a four and a five seed going at each other. Um, I am gonna go with Marquette, um, but honestly, that's gonna be a really really good game. That's one of those matchups that if it does come to fruition, it can really go either way. Wouldn't surprise me if Florida State moves on to the next round. 
between Buffalo and Texas Tech, I just got to give it to the better team. Texas Tech University takes it for me. And between Florida and Michigan, as much as I would love to roll with Florida, I think they're a funny team. You know, I've been a fan of Florida ever since Tim Tebow was on the Gators. Um, even though I don't like Tim Tebow now, which actually kind of makes really weird. Anyways, <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. I think Michigan has the ability to make a deep run, at least into the next round. Um, and I'm going to go with Michigan over Florida. So with me, I have Gonzaga over Syracuse. Uh, you know, Gonzaga, as much as they haven't first too much, I don't think Syracuse becomes one of the big threats to them. I think it can be a tough game for Gonzaga. Uh, but Syracuse, there's still a lot more question marks. Going further from that, it's Murray State versus Florida State for me. And I'm going Florida State. I am extremely high on Florida State as a four seed. As much as I like Murray State. And Murray State, I think if they are versing any other four seed any other four seed than Florida State, because I don't believe Florida State's a true four seed. But they're versing anybody else at four. I have Murray State going past. That's how much I believe in Murray uh, State this season. But just the fact that they run into the wrong team in Florida State is the reason why I'm giving Florida State the edge in this one. And then from there, we have Texas Tech versus Buffalo. Texas Tech, one of the best defensive teams in the country, allowing less than 60 points a game. They're ranked in the top 10 in the country. They haven't versed a lot of top 50 teams, but still, when you come out with a winning record of 5-4, and four, you're not always versing the easiest of teams. 14-4 and four in the conference. They finish top in the conference easily. I'm going Texas Tech over Buffalo. Buffalo, you know, there comes a point where they can only beat up on so many teams weaker than them before they run into a giant, and Texas Tech is that giant. And Florida versus Michigan. Florida, I think, has the ability to keep a game with Michigan very close. I think you could see that spread being a little bit too high, and you should take the Gators on that one, but... The Gators just haven't always been consistent enough to win against over-the-top-ranked teams, Michigan being one of those type of teams. And I think this is another one where I have the one versus the four and the two versus the three. Uh, so I'm, I'm going again with sticking with a lot of the top teams in this. I, I think there is just a little bit too much of a separation uh, between a few of these teams in the, of the top compared to the next round. And I think part of that is because of the fact that Florida State is just by far the best number four seed. So, Jose, get us to the Elite Eight from your Sweet 16. So, for the Sweet 16, it's going to set up Gonzaga against Marquette, in my opinion. And again, I trust Gonzaga um, to move on to the next round. Spoiler alert, Gonzaga is going to be in my final four. Um, so you can assume that Gonzaga is going to top Marquette in my bracket. I then have Texas Tech actually beating out Michigan in what I anticipate to be a really close game. Again, one of those things where I think it can go either way. But I have Texas Tech over Michigan, which sets up Gonzaga versus Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. And I will push Gonzaga further into my final four. 
against again i i admit gonzaga is one of the top teams in my opinion and i feel like gonzaga um is one of the more trusted one seeds uh in the tournament in general so like you i have texas tech getting past michigan i I think this is going to be a very good game uh this is one of those this is the first one that we've done where i don't have the two seed getting to the elite eight or the final four so there's an upset right there for me uh but Texas Tech, I think, is a better team than Michigan. There's been question marks when it comes to Michigan versus the top-tier ranked teams. I think Texas Tech is a great team of the of those three seeds. Uh, and certainly, it's going to be a fun matchup. And on the flip side, Gonzaga versus Florida State University. This might be one of the hardest matchups Gonzaga's had in a very long time when you look at their schedule and going by it, you know, they don't they they played Duke in November, they played Tennessee and North Carolina in December, but when you're traveling down the list, that's it when they played ranked teams this season. Their resume for what their seed rank is is not that impressive. When you compare it to Florida State when you just look at their schedule, okay, they had to play LSU, they had to play Purdue, they had to play Virginia, they had to play Duke, they had to play Louisville, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech again, Virginia again, Duke. So we're seeing so many ranked games by Florida State that I think that can just give you an edge. They made the push to get to the ACC championship. And in doing so, you know they held Virginia under fi- uh, to fifty nine points. They held Virginia Tech to sixty three. They held Virginia Tech again to sixty four. NC State was a ranked team for a while. They were beating them. Uh, they they one ugly loss. They lost at ten points to Duke in the final game. That's not too bad when you're talking about a number one team in the country. But they only lost to Duke by two points earlier in the season, and their only one bad loss is to. You know, North Carolina, another number one seed. So we're looking at it. Virginia Tech's played a lot of number one seeds. They've played a lot of ranked teams this year. I'm giving Virginia Tech the edge based on their resume of what they've played. Um, sorry, Florida State, the edge based on their resume, based on who they've played this season. And they are my team to get to the Final Four. They're the number four seed, but I truly don't view them as a four seed. I think they are a great team to take going far in this tournament because of just everyone they've had to play and consistently getting the wins. I have them getting past Texas Tech. Like you, I have Texas Tech in the Elite Eight, but I just can't get them going further than that. Uh, You have Gonzaga. I have Florida State. I think really the true matchup... uh, between those two teams. I know you don't have Florida State getting that far. Uh, but So we have three of them done. Which leaves us with the East. And let's start with Duke. And the first question I have. Should Zion Williamson had played in this tournament? Should he have played against North Carolina? Or should he have just sat out this entire time? Well, you know me. Like I said, I think you know this is really important for him. Um, and it's important to Duke too. And in a way, you know, I understand if he would have said, you know what, I don't want to play, but I also understand the fact that he would feel like he was letting his teammates down. And I feel like Duke is good without Zion Williamson with Zion Williamson though. 
they're a threat to win the entire tournament. And you saw how 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 good they played, but you also see you also saw how much they struggled without Zion too. And I feel like by him playing in that cha- in that ACC tournament, to me, reestablished um, Duke's dominance. I don't know if Duke is a number one seed if they don't play it the way they did in that ACC tournament. And whether that helps them or it doesn't, I feel like Duke is a you know for Zion to be this fresh. And like they said, he could have played a game or two ago, even before the ACC tournament started. They just wanted to get him 100%. You know, for him to be this fresh and for the team to feel this good with his return, I feel like Duke can be a serious threat going forward. So I think it was the right choice. The kid wants to play basketball. The kid wants to have fun. The kid wants to cut the net and be the best team in the ACC, the best team in the NCAA this year. Let the kid have some fun. Let the kid play basketball. I don't. I understand the move. He looks healthy. He looks fine. Uh, you get more experience on a risk factor. I don't think it's worth the risk. Uh, but you know, if if he's healthy, and as long as he doesn't get hurt in the tournament, you know, then so be it. Play your heart out. And I think it shows a competitive edge to you. But at the end of the day, I still think he should have sat. Uh, <laughs> with that, though, I I have to passing and moving on to the round of 32. But, Jose, break down the round of 64 in the East for us. Yeah, for the East, um, I have Duke going into the next round. That should be a no-brainer. Um, over whoever they face, um, I have UCF going over VCU. I'm I, I'm looking at my bracket. I'm very big on the number nine seed. Um, <laughs> this tournament over the number eight seed. So if you're a number eight seed, I'm sorry. For some reason, I'm choosing the nines. The nines are speaking to me. Also, I feel like UCF needs to get revenge because their football team doesn't get any love. So let's go UCF in basketball. Am I right? Uh, for my, uh, I'm sorry lost track of where I was for a second for the next matchup between the Bulldogs and LIB. I'm actually going to roll with the 12 seed LIB. I think I might've overdone it with the, with the 12 season, this one, but screw it. I love the number 12. So let's go keep going. Uh, Virginia tech versus um, SLU Virginia tech really showed me something in a tournament in which they played in. You know, this is a team that didn't give up. They had a lot of fight. And I, you know, I think I thought the number four seed was a little high to rank Virginia Tech, but I think their play backs it up, and I think they're going to make a deep enough run where, you know, they may not get into the Elite Eight because of who they're going to end up facing eventually in the brackets that I have. But I think Virginia Tech should be able to coast through the first two rounds rather easily. Um, next up, number six Maryland. I have them over whoever they face. I just think they're a very good team. Um, so I'm having them move on. We talked about LSU and Yale. How my biggest upset is probably going to be Yale taking them down because why not? Yale is more than a law school. So let's go Yale. Um, I have number 10, Minnesota, taking down Louisville. Um, Again, just another upset special. And then I have Michigan State who, funny story, I had them in my Final Four a couple years ago when they got out in the first round. And that's when I knew my bracket was messed up for the first time. Um, So I have Michigan State uh, moving on to the next round. Hopefully they don't let me down this year. I'm impressed you have LSU getting knocked off so early. That, that I think, is your upset of the ultimate one with Yale knocking off LSU. 
do you... I may I may have some personal beef with people who went to LSU, but I mean, I'm not going to factor that in. <laughs> Does the coaching aspect uh, play? Obviously, I mean, if you've got Yale winning, I think you have the coaching aspect playing a factor, but you have the FBI case on the LSU coach. He's suspended for the tournament. How much does that go into the players? You know, I think it certainly does. I think it certainly serves as a distraction. Um, but at the same time, you got to put that behind you. And that's easier said than done, obviously. But I don't think that's going to affect them too much in terms of tournament play. I think if they were to move on, like I probably believe you probably have them moving past the first round. I think the deeper to go, the deeper they go in the tournament, the more they would need their coach. Um, but honestly, for LSU, you got to put that behind you. I just, you know, you know me. I love the upsets, and somebody had to face the consequences. So it was going to be LSU in this situation. So, for mine, obviously Duke. Uh, like you, I have UCF. You know, UCF. I think they just draw a tough matchup because I think if they can, if they weren't in, against Duke in the second round. This is a team I could believe could make a big threat. Not because they have phenomenal stars. It's because they have so much size to their team. Ta- uh, Taco Fall is seven foot six, 310 pounds. Then their other guy, who's a senior, nonetheless, that they hold. They have other guys that are sits eight, sits nine. On top of that, sits eleven. So they have a sits eleven and a sits a seven foot plus big men to begin games. I mean, you're gonna dominate the rebounds. You're gonna dominate blots. You're gonna draw a lot of fouls if you can dominate the paint. It's a great way to go in games to get teams in foul trouble. Uh, UCF, this is going to be a real interesting matchup, and I'm really looking forward to the Knights versus Duke. I, I like what you said, uh, the, the football team. Well, this is a great chance that the basketball team can try and upset uh, Duke. But you look at Duke, they're not, when it comes to that matchup, I, I'm going to break down that a, a little bit more while I'm really looking forward to that. But UCF, I have moving past VCU. VCU has just been so... So iffy on so many different games where they're just not showing up and they're a hit and miss. Uh, Mississippi State, not the greatest of teams. I like them with the 23 uh, wins this season, but their conference rank is only sits. They're ve- they were very below average at just 10 and 8 against the conference. They versed a lot of teams in the top 50, only going 4 and 7 against them. The fact is, though, they have a much more impressive resume than Liberty, and there gets to a point where I can only trust so many different teams trying to upset the five. I know the 12s often pull off the upsets. Jose, you feature a lot of 12s in yours putting up the upsets, but Mississippi State, they have played some really close games with Tennessee, uh, and I'm trusting them on the fact that they've played better teams that they can get past Liberty. Uh, Virginia Tech's a four seed. They've versed a bunch of different tough teams in the ACC. Uh, they've had to play Florida State a few times, having to play Virginia. I think they should easily get past St. Louis, the 13th seed. Uh, Belmont versus Temple. 
I like Belmont in this game not only to beat Temple, but to also beat Maryland. So I'm going with the 11 seed, the play-in dam. I think it can help you with a little bit momentum. Maryland has just not been that great when it comes to just, you know, semi-good teams. They they lose to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. They've mainly been a good to subpar uh, home team. The fact of the matter is, the tournaments aren't home games for them. It draws a bit more concern for me when it comes to Maryland. And they have not performed lately uh, to finish, close out the season. I really like the 11 seed Belmont, even Temple, but more Belmont. Uh, Belmont's just won way more uh, high quality games than Temple to get past Maryland. LSU versus Yale. I'm liking LSU. The fact is this team is one of the top rebounding teams in the country, one of the top offensive rebounding teams in the country. Those second chest points are always so, so important when it comes to the tournament and dominating the boards. Uh, when you got a team that can rebound as well as LSU, I'm always going to give them a little bit of an extra run, even with coaching issues, even with other things going on in the background. You want to know how you can silence all that? You win the game at the end of the day. Uh, Louisville versus Minnesota. Minnesota, a very good 10 seed, but the fact is Louisville, in my eyes, is the best 7 seed out there. And, you know, I've said it a couple times when I when I view this team as the best out of that group, usually I have them going farther. And Louisville, I have going pretty deep in this conference, so they're not just getting eliminated early. My seven seed is going pretty deep, uh, but they will face Michigan State in the round of thirty-two. Uh, so Jose. This one's interesting with Duke because we just mentioned with UCF, you have them too. You feature a six foot eleven, you feature a seven foot plus guy, Zion Williams known to go into the basket, the entire Duke team scoring in the paint. Is this a game you're really looking at on how these top stars do against these bigger defensive players in UCF? You know, yeah, I do because I feel like in order to beat Duke, you gotta have some some kind of size, right? And just a lot of these teams just don't have that. There's very few true centers um, and like true, you know, the true NBA big men in college basketball, right? We don't see a lot of those kids in that kind of size range. But here in UCF, they have those options. And not only will this be a good test for Duke in general. But it's going to be a good test for some NBA scouts who are looking at some of these people and thinking, well, how well can these guys do if they're in this kind of scenario in real life, right? So this is a chance for them to try and push forward and show what they really got. Um, but honestly, I don't think it's going to—I don't think it's going to uh, mess them up too much. Um, I think Duke is really prepared. I think a lot of these kids. I mean, we we both believe that the first—you know—these Duke freshmen. I mean, they're probably going to go within the first 20 picks. Safe to say that two of them are going to go within the first ten. So I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it's going to factor in too much. But I think it will be very, very interesting to see how Duke handles legit big men at a college level. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change anyone's view on Zion or RJ or Cam. But I think it's it's a great stepping stone of you know this is how they're going to do because no one is. 
as big or as strong as Zion in college. And there's very few in the NBA that are as big and as strong as Zion. But the fact is when you have two guys that are 6'11 and 7 foot plus, it, it rages that interesting question. Uh, and it it makes a little bit more sense. It, you're able to see a bit more. You're able to take away a lot more from this game. So I'm very much looking forward in the hopes that UCF faces Duke, not only for all the side stories that UCF has created over the last year plus and then having to finally take on a number one team, but the fact that Duke is a primarily in the paint storing team and it features a UCF defensive team. I think at the end of the day, though, uh, Duke's going to win. A lot of these guys are going to foul out. A lot of them are going to get in foul trouble. One of the big challenges is, you know, as much as they're going to call charges, it's really tough to call a charge on a 6-foot-11 or, or a 7-foot-300-plus-pounder. And you're going to get called a lot more blocking fouls when you're trying to swat the ball. Uh, five versus four in Mississippi State versus Virginia Tech, and I have Virginia Tech. Look, it's another team of the ACC, and it just seems like I'm I'm repeating it, but I have a lot of the ACC teams going further and further on. I think it can cause a Duke versus Virginia Tech matchup. Uh, Belmont versus LSU at that point, or Belmont or slash Temple versus LSU. LSU again, I'm going to take. Rebounding is always a key for me. Waters, I think, is a phenomenal player. There's just so much that supports LSU offensively. They're a great team against top 50 teams. They're 6-2. Great conference record, number one team in their conference. I'm going to have LSU go further. And one of my upsets, real early on, Louisville, the seven seed, is going to knock out Michigan State. Look, I've been talking up Michigan State when they were the one seed, but the fact is Louisville has had played some impressive games. Uh, you look at it, and Michigan State, there's a lot of concern for me. on uh, uh, Health-wise, although this team has a lot of upperclassmen, the fact is, the team doesn't stay healthy. They're going to run into stronger teams. They're able to top Michigan, but when it comes to overall, they've lost a lot of games for a two-seed rank. And I look at Louisville as a team that can be a quiet sleeper, and I'm going to take the upset on here as Louisville getting over Michigan State. With that, Jose, get us to the Elite Eight of your teams, and then your final, final fourth team. So to finish out the bracket, I have Duke over UCF. Eventually, I think Duke eventually will just be, I mean, like we like we both mentioned, as UCF um, is going to give them some kind of trouble, I still think UC, uh, Duke will handle it pretty nicely. Um, I have Virginia Tech over to number 12 seed. Again, Virginia Tech is just a better team. Uh, eventually, I do have Maryland over Yale um, as Yale's Cinderella story will run out. And Michigan State will prevail also into the Sweet 16. At that point, as much as I like Virginia Tech, I just don't see them beating Duke. I feel like that's a real big challenge in front of them. So Duke will prevail into the Elite Eight. 
And then Michigan State will handle Maryland, in my opinion. Again, setting up the setting up a matchup between the two best teams in this region, being Duke against Michigan State in the Elite Eight. And continue on from there. And past the Elite Eight, again, at that point, Michigan State, pretty good team. I enjoy their high-powered offense. But at that point, you got to give it to the better team. Like I said, Gonzaga is the team in my eyes that is trustworthy enough to move past the entire region and be one of two number one seeds that I have in a Final Four. The other is Duke, as I have them beating Michigan State, setting up a Final Four matchup against Gonzaga between a battle of two number one seeds. All right, so I got to catch up to you. Uh, But it will be the same team in there as Duke. Uh, I have them beating Virginia Tech. And then LSU versus Louisville. I'm going to give the upset again to Louisville, uh, having Louisville knock off a number two and a number three seed. But from there, the run ends. Uh, The Blue Devils are just too much to handle. They're the better team by far. I think Louisville able to make a deep run. I I would be a great uh, restory for them after all the problems that have happened um, with their team, with Rick Petito. Uh, but the fact that they were able to knock off both LSU and Michigan State on my bracket, I think speaks a lot to Louisville. With that, though, the Blue Devils I have getting in, which sets up Duke versus Florida State University in a rematch that just happened. And Tennessee versus Kentucky, number four. Uh, Interesting, we both don't have UNC in there. Uh, So the possibility of Duke versus UNC in the March Madness tournament will still not happen. I think that's something that is just so strange of one of the best rivalries in sports. Uh, With that, though, we need to get to one. So, Jose, go to your champion at this point. Well, I'm going to start on the other side, which will have Tennessee against Houston. Uh, in my opinion, you know, I'm riding that Tennessee wave here. I think they're a better team than Houston. That's going to set up a, a giant showdown between the two. Um, this is a team that they score almost a similar amount of points. Uh, you know, they, they, they let up almost a similar amount of points. Um, you know, this is going to be a very good match between these two teams. Even though Houston has the better record, Tennessee is ranked higher than them in the seeding. So it'll be very interesting to see um, how it moves forward from there. But I'm going to roll with Tennessee into the national championship game. I think they're the best team remaining on that side. I think they're better in Houston. And I'm going to roll with the Volunteers into the national championship in Minneapolis on April 8th. On the other side, a battle of two number ones. I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. But in the end, I think Gonzaga will actually take down Duke. Yes, you heard it. And I know I understand Zion's healthy. I understand that Duke may be the better team on paper. But for some reason, I'm going with my gut feeling that Gonzaga is going to be able to pull it off and knock off Duke as they enter the national championship. So with that, he's got, uh, Jose has Gonzaga versus Tennessee. Uh, for me... I have Duke beating Florida State University again uh, in a rematch. Uh, Duke just is the better team. The fact is, if Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are healthy, I know the stats don't support the two of them 
when two players are scoring over 50% of your points per game, you don't get to the Final Four, you don't get to the championship, you don't win the championship. But this is just different. This is the two best teams in the country in college basketball. I think that's a clear edge for Duke at the end of the day, and I do have them getting to the championship. Uh, who they will verse is a matter of a two-seed, either the two-seed of Tennessee or the two-seed of Kentucky. And these two teams have faced off multiple times this season. Kentucky has the edge, and I'm going to continue with giving... uh, No, Tennessee has the edge, and I'm going to continue with Tennessee having the edge. Better defensive team. They've just outplayed Kentucky the last two times they've played. There's not much of an answer. And Tennessee has been consistently a number one ranked team all season long. I think they were given a little bit of a tough clause to get the two seed. They're a better team than that. I also have Tennessee, like you, getting to the championship to face Duke, but I don't think that will be enough. I will go with the odds-on favorite, uh, fan favorite which is Duke, to beat Tennessee. Uh, you know, I'd rather pick the easy choice of R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson Boo. and Mike Stetsky and the entire team of Duke with high question marks at out. times. But give me the best players, and I'll take my chances on that. With that, though, Jose, you don't have Duke, but who do you have? Well, for my national championship game, like I said, it's Gonzaga versus Tennessee. I'm going to roll with the Tennessee Volunteers, man. I like this team a lot. I like their style of play. This is a team that's been hot all year long, um, and I'm really liking, um, you know, I'm really liking just their their team in general. I you know, this is a team that have a bunch of upperclassmen. Uh, you know, they were ranked as one of the most five most efficient teams in the nation. Uh, you know, this this you know this is a good team, uh, and I feel like a lot of people are going to see that come tournament time. This is one of those teams where you may not necessarily know who they are because they're not one of the bigger schools, um, but I think they're going to be able to knock off Gonzaga. And honestly, if, you know, since they asked me for my tiebreaker final score, sixty-five to sixty-two, I think it'll be a close game. I was in the 60s, too. I think that's 68-61 for Duke versus Tennessee. Might have been a little bit too low scoring. But nonetheless, we are getting towards the end of our podcast for episode 45. And with that, though, Jose, there's always the final thoughts. Beardback and Dude and Dunce of the Week. So we'll start with Beardback. As we move forward with that, and we have in 1991 the Philadelphia 76ers retire Will Chamberlain's number 13 jersey. Michael Jordan in 1995 announces he is ending his 17 month NBA retirement. And this one I had to include in 2014. The Knits. Signed Phil Jackson 
to a five-year contract to be the president of the team. That uh, worked out well, did it not? Yeah, it, it, it worked out great for the fans. No. No, it sucked. The way I see it, and, and even though it was disappointing, if they didn't sign Phil Jackson to be the president, you guys wouldn't be getting Zion. So don't be cheesy. I mean, don't be picky either. This is the same as saying like the entire like drop down of like Bobby Bonilla uh, for the Mets. It did. It left. To, it led to David Wright. It led to David Wright because you can't like, be picky about how you get your franchise player. Because like seven other things had to happen to lead to David Wright or to lead to certain things, and it's just like, sure, it led there, but I mean, like, there's so many other things that could have led it to that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not gonna say he got his eye on. I'll say it for you. Phil Jackson got you guys Zion. Congratulations. I'll I'll say Phil Jackson got us Frank Nilatina without ever going to see him play. And I'll say Phil Jackson. You don't know if he never seen him play. No, no. He never saw him play. I'm just saying, man, internet is a beautiful thing. You can watch a lot of things on there that you couldn't necessarily watch up front in person. Yeah. And... Maybe that's why they never sent a scout to see Giannis Antetokounmpo play the only team in the NBA that didn't have a scout for the retreat. Yeah, Phil Jetson brought a lot of good things to the Nets. Uh, <laughs> with that, though, we'll have our Dude of the Week, and our Dude of the Week is Giannis. Uh, for his game against the 76ers, it did result in the loss for the Milwaukee Bucks, but 52 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. It was the first time in, I think, 30 years, two players had 40 points and 15-plus rebounds in the same game, Giannis and Joel Embiid. Although Embiid and the 76ers get the win, Antetokounmpo did have more points in that game, so Giannis gets to be the dude of the week for the show. Uh, with that, though, we need a dunce. And who is our dunce of the week? Well, my dunce of the week is going to go to LeBron James. And yes, it may be shocking. Why LeBron James? No way it could be LeBron James. Well, yesterday, uh, Walt Frazier decided to make some comments about LeBron James. And although I don't think it was any place for Walt Frazier to make those comments, um, you did see LeBron on the sidelines, away from the team, having no interest in joining the huddle. Now, I do think LeBron James cares to a point. But at this point, I don't think LeBron James does care anymore in terms of the state of the Lakers. I get it. You're not making the playoffs. You don't exactly like Luke Walton. You don't agree with the vision that Luke Walton has presented. But if you're a LeBron James, still show you care. It wouldn't hurt you to show that you care. I think out of respect to Luke Walton, I think you should. Out of respect to your head coach, I think you should. But this is that ugly side of LeBron James that I feel like a lot of people don't like. Despite LeBron James being one of the best players on the planet, despite him being a fantastically talented individual, despite him being a fantastic man off the court doing all this charity kind of stuff, you get hints of this kind of LeBron James where it's, well, I don't like this coach, so I'm not going to listen to him. Eh, 
I don't need to be in the huddle. You're not saying anything important. That, to me, is the ugly side of LeBron James that I don't like to see. And I, I get it. The, the season has been disappointing. But would it kill you to just stand in the huddle? You don't even necessarily have to listen. But at least look like you're somewhat invested in the team. It's, t- it's been a rough season for the Lakers. Only one player is guaranteed to be on this team after that season uh, because you never know if the Lakers will trade anybody. So I, I, there's a lot of dysfunction there. But I'm certainly not able to defend it. You lost to the Knicks last night or yesterday. How do you lose to the Knicks? Ah, <laughs> uh, that one's tough. Uh, final thoughts for me for our episode 45. Although this is also March Madness start uh, within like two or three days away, uh, the fact is it's also the MLB start for the Oakland Athletics and Seattle Mariners. The two teams will play in Japan. I think both games start at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. I'm not saying I wake up and see them. What I am saying though is Ichiro is expected to play in, I think, both of the games for the Seattle Mariners. I think this is a great move. Uh, Beloved in Japan. Obviously played so many years there. Uh, Phenomenal player. And the fact that this is going to technically delay his Hall of Fame eligibility for a year, I think is well worth it. I think it's a great move that Seattle is playing Ichiro in these games, and it's something I really look forward to. Uh, I'm certainly going to watch the highlight of when he steps up to the plate or when he's in the outfield or if he's DHing. Just the enormous amount of applause and cheering that should go his way as well-deserved for the future Hall of Famer. So to trust him. Yeah, the way I see it, he gets into the Hall of Fame either way. So whether it's a year or the year after, doesn't matter. Ichiro's going to be first ballot, and if he's not, then there's a serious problem. Um, no one wants to see Jay Bruce out there in the outfield. So, yeah, I agree put Ichiro out there, especially since the Mariners, you know, not really playing for anything. And on top of that, you know, it is Japan. It is his home city, his home country. Put the guy out there. It's the right thing to do. Um, one thing I will touch upon, fun fact for you, Nick. I know you like facts. With Ichiro technically getting to start, and since this is a regular season game, It'll be the second oldest starting position player after Julio Franco. Ah, Julio Franco. Yeah, Julio Franco. <laughs> yeah, that was playing for one. He was like 55 years old in like Japan and like professional, semi-professional. Ba- man, I, I miss him. Hey, man, I mean, it, it's funny that teams want to get rid of people when they're 31, 32 now. Imagine Julio Franco in this kind of market. The guy would get no love. And the guy still swung a pretty good bat for a 40-something-year-old baseball player. Yeah, he's the all-time oldest player with a stolen base or oldest player with a home run. Hey, man, guy kept himself in great shape. If I could look anything like that when I'm 32, I'll be satisfied. And he was doing it when he was like 50. Uh, with that, though, Jose, do you have any final thoughts for the podcast? Yes. I do. Um, I want to give a big thanks, a big, big thanks to Carlos Santana. If you haven't heard what he did, um, when the Phillies were on their losing streak, apparently it came out that players were playing video games while games were going on, specifically Fortnite. So Carlos Santana said no more Fortnite as he took a bat and bashed the TV 
ruining the Phillies from enjoying their video games. So, Carlos Santana, thank you for putting a stop to Fortnite. Your service is greatly appreciated. In the midst of a losing streak that was going on. And, and honestly, honestly, Nick, a lot of the same players that were on the team last year are there again this year. So this finding this out is actually a big concern for me because if Gabe Kapler allowed that to happen last year, is the same thing going to happen this year? And don't tell me no because Harper's there and Real Muto's there. I don't know what kind of clubhouse guys these guys are. If I remember correctly, Harper got into a fight with Jonathan Papelbon a couple years ago. Now, granted, it's Jonathan Papelbon and he's a, and it belongs in a loony bin. But still, if Gabe Kapler allowed this to happen last year, when the team still had a shot to make the playoffs, at least until they lost all those games at the end, then what does that say about Gabe Kapler as a manager? Well, he certainly got a roster this year even better. Uh, you know, hearing that story reminds me of the Royals back in like 2016-2015. Uh, the Royals were competing for the World Series, competing for the playoffs, but the team struggled because they were all playing Clash of Clans, the app on the phone or something, and they took over, and they weren't winning as much. They weren't they weren't playing baseball really fully to the potential, and they all had to stop. And what happened? You won a World Series. So you set your priorities straight. You spend your time doing the right thing for your, you know your career, your job, your your the game. And it's going to work in a positive direction. But if you spend your priorities playing Fortnite, I can't see how you're going to improve as a baseball player. And with that, though, thank you so much for listening to Sarasso and the Beard. Once again, I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And this has been Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, Episode 45. And as always, check out all the different podcasts available on the S&D Podcast channel. And thank you again, and enjoy your night.